Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pallette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. So, um, Chris. Yes. You you like uh you you like stuff on the web, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, both of our careers depend heavily. Uh, in fact, I would say entirely upon <laughs> upon putting stuff up on the web. Yes. Uh, and the reason why we're able to do that is because we can make money by putting stuff up on the web. Yes. And uh, the reason why we're able to make money putting stuff up on the web stems mainly from advertising. Yes. And so we want to talk today a little bit about web advertising. We've covered this subject a little bit in previous episodes, but we really wanted to kind of dive into it. And advertising has a bad rap. And part of that is because advertisers have sometimes used very invasive, intrusive, or manipulative approaches to try and get ads in front of you. Yes, and I'd like to point out that this episode is brought to you by Chocolate Nibbles, <laughs> now with nine essential vitamins and minerals. Yes, we got rid of that other non-essential vitamin and mineral. Yes. Just, it was looking at us funny and we didn't like its face. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, we're talking about web advertising and, and there's good points to it and bad points to it. Now, the good points are that without web advertising, you'd have to find some other way to make money putting content up on the web or else people wouldn't do it or at least not as many people would do it and certainly not you wouldn't see the same level of quality across the web there there'd be you know occasionally there'd be someone who'd be amazingly talented who for altruistic reasons wants to share what he or she has come up with on the web and those people would be amazing and their content they create would be phenomenal and it would all be done you know, the effort and the time being put in would all be that one person's uh, uh, resources, and that would be fantastic. Chances are it wouldn't be their day job, though, because they wouldn't be – since they weren't making money off of it, they've got to eat somehow. Right. So they would probably be doing something else for 40 hours a week. Right. And, and then you think about all the, the sites you regularly go to. A lot of those sites are supported through advertising. And so without the ads, those sites don't exist, which means that content that we have got, grown so fond of accessing would mm-hmm. no longer be there. Yes. So in that case, advertising plays a very important role. Now, of course, you can, you can make money with online through other ways besides advertising. You could have a subscription-based service. Yes. Where people have to pay a certain amount per Unit of time, usually it'd be monthly, but it might be, you know, six months or a year or whatever. Right. You could even do it smaller units if you really wanted to. Um, and make money that way by saying, all right, well, you can access the content we create on this site if you pay this uh, amount of money per this unit of time. Or, or per article. Some, um, some sites do that, you know, where you have, uh, hey, if you want to read this article, then it'll be, you know, two ninety nine. Yeah. To, to read this one particular story. Right. And the thing is that the way the web has developed over time, people have grown to expect free access to something if it's on the web. Yeah, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. The early days of the Internet, I mean, the, the people who were doing this were government institutions in the United States and uh, higher learning. Yeah. Uh, you know, colleges and universities. So the the content online was specifically for 
those groups. And the commercial entities really weren't involved in it in the early days. So the people who were doing that or or actually, you know, some of it is from the uh, online services. Yeah. Um, so if you had a modem, you could dial up to a bulletin board and you may not have to pay a fee and you would join the community there and swap stories or you know, whatever it is that they, yeah. they talked about. Um, but they didn't, uh, they might pay a fee, a subscription fee to join the BBS or for internet access in the early days of the internet, uh, as a commercial sense. Um, but they wouldn't be paying for the content. Right. And so the idea came about that web advertising could potentially be far more effective than traditional forms of advertising. That was the initial thought. And the reason for that was that if you buy an ad in a magazine or you put it on a billboard or you put it in a television show, it's a, a, in the ad breaks, you have a reasonable expectation of a certain number of people that ad is going to, uh, is going to connect with. Mm-hmm. Now, whether those people are paying attention to the ad, you don't know. Whether if, whether or not they pay attention to the ad and then go forward and actually act based upon what they saw in the ad, you don't know that either. But you, you, what you do know is that a certain number of people based upon the market research are going to see that particular ad. Actually, this seems like a good time to bring up um, a point that there are two major types of advertising we're talking about here, too. Um, direct response is a type of advertising that does encourage you to do something. Like if you were going to uh, listen to the podcast and suddenly now you're craving a bowl of chocolate nibbles, and let me tell you, they are delicious – um, now that we got rid of that non-essential vitamin and mineral. Yes, you should run out and buy some. That's the, the point of an advertisement like that. Um, then you have what they call branding, uh, which is basically, you know, hey, you don't have to go run out and buy our product. Just think of us the next time you're doing something like that. And that's the kind of thing that you see like at um, uh, sporting events. Uh, for example, the ads on the sides of uh, hockey boards or uh, on on the sides of race cars. They don't say buy, you know, such and such product. They're just showing you the brand name yeah. so that you sort of think about them. And yep. you're, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I like these guys. They sponsor my favorite driver. Yeah, the idea might be to get that brand name in your mind so that the next time you go out to get something, you actually think about that particular brand. For example, mm-hmm. you might think, hey, I'm thirsty. I would like a soda. Uh, I just saw that ad for Coke, and maybe I wouldn't normally get a Coke, but that sounds good to me right now. I'll go ahead and get a Coke. Um, so it's it's one of those things where uh, getting the brand out there is really important. And marketers will tell you how important that is, that you know you don't want to mess with your brand. You don't want to change your brand identity too drastically unless you do it in the right way so that you make it a sort of a public event where people will make that transition with you because it's, you know, this is stuff that's sticky in people's minds. Yeah, there are people who are going to walk into the store and they're going to see that brand name that they know so well um, and they're going to choose a product from that manufacturer simply because they know the name. They might see it next to something else that they've never heard of. And go, well, at least I know who these people are. Yeah. So that's just basic advertising. Now, if you're talking about the web, the, the, the advantage, or at least the apparent advantage back in the early days was that you could actually monitor what people were doing based upon the webs you were, the, the ads you were serving up on the web, rather. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you go and you put an ad on a a really heavily trafficked site in the early days of the internet. So Yahoo, let's say. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you put an ad up on Yahoo. Well, you already know that a certain number of users in the millions, perhaps, visits Yahoo each day. Yeah. So you know that that's, that's how many people are going to see your ad. Yep, and and the websites track their statistics so that they can report back to advertisers. Hey, if you advertise with us, you will reach at least two million people. Right. This is how many. Tuesday. This is how many unique visitors you will see. Yes. This is how many people actually have page views, because the two things are different. Yes. We can talk you about can, that in a minute. Yeah. So, at any rate, uh, because the the early days of the web advertising, they were thinking. Why is this any different from, say, a magazine, apart from the fact that we can actually give you more data about the people who are taking a look at this ad? Right. Um, it should be the same price. And in the beginning, it was. But here's the here are a couple of problems. One is that it also let you know when people were not uh, reacting to an ad, at least not actively reacting to an ad. So in other words, if no one's clicking on the ad, or if it's a really, really, really small number of people who are clicking on the ad, then you question what is the value of that ad, right? Because if no one's going converting over and clicking through, then the advertisers say, well, why are we spending the same amount of money we would for a magazine ad or a television ad if this, if only these few people are clicking through? Never mind the fact that we can't be sure how many people see the magazine ad or television ad and react to it. That doesn't matter. Right. They're saying, well, we have a proof here that not that many people are clicking through, so therefore this is overvalued. That was one problem. The other problem was that lots of websites were popping up. Mm-hmm. That meant there was a lot of landscape for advertising. Yeah. So uh, with lots and lots of websites of various degrees of popularity popping up on the web, that devalued web advertising. It's like a supply and demand thing. Yeah. So, for example, imagine that you have a stretch of highway and there are three billboard signs up and there are only three. And those three are would be a certain value to be able to uh, advertise on them because that, mm-hmm. that's the only three that any drivers are going to see. Well, then let's say 15 new billboards pop up along that same stretch of highway. Well, that's just devalued the the uh, the value of the three that already existed there. Yeah, and that can actually happen on a site too. It's not just across the the web. Right. Um, if you put up so many ads that uh, it yeah. sort of drowns out the content. Uh, people begin to tune them out, right? And your your message loses its power. So, so it's a very delicate balancing act of figuring out where to place ads, what sort of ads you use, how many do you have per page, and it's not just a balancing act of turning off readers or ter- turning off visitors from going to your site. It's also a question of how much money does it cost to run your business. Mm-hmm. And how can you offset that through advertising? If that's your chief way of generating revenue, you have to find that balance. And it's tricky. Yes. Because, you know, you, if you're talking about the ads themselves are being devalued, the more they're out there, then you have to balance that out. Like, how do you take advantage of advertising in such a way that you're actually making enough money to sustain whatever business you're in? Right. And, uh, and it's not easy to do. Well, and it, it's worth pointing out, I think, too, that, um, to some degree, the web is a, a fairly inexpensive place to do business. Yeah. Uh, buying a domain name, uh, arranging hosting for a year, um, you know, that's, that's not terribly expensive. You start getting into, uh, some cost problems when you generate a lot of traffic to the site. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, say if you, you're just a person who wants to start a blog, 
just for the sake of starting a blog and you promote it to your friends on Facebook and you get uh, a couple gigabytes worth of bandwidth per month, that's probably not going to – and that's a lot of traffic just, you know, for, for a person with a blog who's just having fun with it. Sure. Um, you know, you might decide to stick some ads up there, but and, – and that may very well offset the cost because your web hosting provider, a lot of them these days don't charge – uh, for a certain amount of, of traffic. Now, if you're somebody like uh, a magazine or a streaming media site or something like that, that's going to generate tons and tons of traffic, and the, the web hosting provider is going to say, hey, look, pal, you know, if you you're taking this, up room on yeah, our servers, you you're taking a lot of traffic band, on our you're traffic. Need, yeah, if you want the bandwidth, you got to pay. Yeah, so Which, and know, then you have to pay people to run the site and maintain the site. If you're a magazine, you want to pay writers, uh, maybe freelancers, editors. Right. You know, you're going to have a lot of people working there, so you have to pay for them too, and then you have to generate more revenue to offset that. So it's it's relatively inexpensive to get in, but depending on the scale of the operation, you might need serious money to keep it going. Right. And you know, we when we talked with uh, Bernie Burns of Rooster Teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he talked about back in the early days of Rooster Teeth. That was before streaming video was a thing on the web. So what people would do is they would actually download an episode of Red vs. Blue. Right. So they're downloading video files. And because it became so popular so quickly, uh, that meant that they were having some pretty massive bandwidth issues. Yeah. And so that that sort of thing can come into play. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where you've got to figure out, well, we have to make – uh, a certain amount of money just to sustain our business. Yes. And then in order to be a successful business, you have to actually make money. So you have to determine what kind of ads you use and uh, how much, um, how many of them you use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now back, back in those early days when I was talking about, um, the, the days like when Yahoo was selling ads at the, around the same rate as what you would get for a magazine, uh, ad, mm-hmm. that was about around sometimes $30 per 1000 clicks uh, or 1,000 um, uh, impressions, actually. And yeah. impressions and clicks are two different things. Impressions essentially means that if a 1,000 people visit that that particular website and that one ad is on that website, then the av- advertiser would pay the website 30 bucks. Yeah. For every thousand. We, he, yeah. He's just, that, that is not a standard, necessarily a standard rate. He's just using that as an example. Now that, yeah. That, that was back in the early days of the web. pointing that $30, out. sometimes more than $30 per 1,000. But as time has gone on, that, that price has been seriously cut down. Yeah. And, and it all depends on what kind of website you run too. If you're running a website that's incredibly popular, then you can command higher prices than you can, than a, a smaller website can. Mm-hmm. But in general, you're now talking about, a few cents yeah. per 1,000 visitors if it's a uh, CPM model. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a second. But before we before we get into the various models, I wanted to talk about the different formats that you find in web advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably the most popular in those early days was the banner ad. The banner ad, yeah. These were the ones that ran along the top of the, ad, uh, of the site, sometimes along the bottom. And if it was along the side, we called them sidebars as yeah. opposed to banner ads. But same sort of thing. It's a, a, a long, narrow uh, band that would have an ad on it for, for some product or service. Usually it was a, a link so that if you clicked on the banner, you would go to the website of said product or service. And uh, it was the way to advertise on the web for a really long time. Um, but again, because it's a link, it's one of those things that can be monitored. And in fact, if it's a link that's coming into a, uh, a 
the company's website, they may not even need the advertising. Um, the they may not need another agency to tell them anything about the traffic. They might be able to see it on their own. Right. But if they see that the traffic just hasn't increased significantly, or that uh, that traffic from that ad hasn't really picked up, and that they're not really seeing a conversion into sales, then that's going to really cut down on. Like, why would anyone bother buying an ad if it's not working? Mm-hmm. So. Those were some of the earliest ones, and they're also some of the ones that are easiest for users to ignore. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's, you know, we talk about it in the business. It's called ad blindness. Yes, mm-hmm. where you just you just don't even register it anymore. You're used to ignoring anything that falls in certain uh, quadrants on a website because that's where everyone puts their ads, and you just don't even notice it anymore. Because you're just looking for the content. Mm-hmm. Well, advertisers hate that. <laughs> yes, they do. Because it negates the whole ad. And, you know, people are spending time and money to develop these ads. And, and again, they're not necessarily being evil. They're trying to reach an audience so that they can sell their products or services. Some of those products and services may be amazing. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that people have gotten really good at ignoring those ads. So there's other kinds as well. Uh, there's the floating ads. Mm. Which float across your screen, I and can't you have to stand you know. those. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them either. Uh, but again, they are hard. They, they're they're impossible to ignore. Yes, they are. Because they float right in front of your screen, and until you close them or click on them, they they stay there. Yeah, and they're, they're cousins of the pop up ad. Right, pop up and pop under ads are similar. Now, pop up ads become their own. It's their own window that pops on top of the browser, mm-hmm. and uh, those were popular for a while. In fact. Uh, I remember back when you would hit certain sites, like, uh, uh, like, 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 there were a few sites that I went to that were like, uh, movie rumor sites, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. I was just interested in what was coming up in movies. Right. And some of them would, uh, work with advertising agencies that did pop-up ads. And you would get one pop-up ad, and as soon as you go to close that, two more pop-up ads would pop up. And then you suddenly you've got, you know, five or six pop-up ads covering up your, uh, the the content you were trying to read, and then eventually you just say, "Why am I even bothering going to the site? I'm going to find some other place to go, rather than deal with this frustration." Pop yeah. under ads are similar, except that the new window pops up under your browser, so that until you close your browser, you may not even be aware that it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some some sites used to track uh, the length of time that the ad appeared on the screen. Yeah. So let's say there's a pop under ad, and it's been up, and you don't even know it. So there, the site is getting to say, hey, you know, so and so, we we actually uh, have a a great rate of people having this up on their screen because there are some people here who have it up for hours and hours. Of course, if they're of course they can't see it, and, and of course if if not that many people are clicking on the ad, then that that's not as powerful a story. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, they have it up for hours, but no one actually ever bothers to click on the ad. Then that falls apart. Now, see, that's just in the details. And and one of the things that has made these ads less common uh, is the functionality in virtually every browser that I've seen in the last you know, three or four years that has the pop-up blocker right. enabled in the preferences so that you can go in, turn it off before you, you know, first thing you do is you, you go into the preferences and start setting it to the way you want it to work. And one of the first things I do is turn off the pop-up ad blocker. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, you and, can, they, and they just completely prevent it from opening. Right. And then there's some sites that use pop-ups for legitimate, well, 
advertising is legitimate, but there are some sites that use it for purposes that let Additional you interact. Right, exactly. Sorry. So, like filling out a form. Mm-hmm. So, in those cases, you have to dis- you have to disable the pop up blocker, maybe just for that one site. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that's the thing is that these pop up ads and pop under ads are intrusive enough so that users really don't like them. The floating yeah. floating ads, in a way, can be too. They're not quite as bad, in my opinion. Um, uh, but they they also can be irritating if you're just trying to get to certain content. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the floating ads, though, don't irritate me the way peel or expanding ads do. Oh yeah, these are the ones where if your cursor floats over the ad, it suddenly takes up half your screen space or yes. more. Mm-hmm. It'll un unroll, and we've. We're just going to be completely blunt here. All right. So, so the, the company we work for, howstuffworks.com. Yep. It has part has, of discovery communications. Part of discovery communications makes revenue through advertising, among other things. Yes. And so we have had these, these peel ads, these expanding ads on our site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, um, I'm, I think I'm safe to say I'm not the only one who found it frustrating when I would visit my own site and try to find a particular article only to have an, uh, an ad cover up half the page. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of these things, too, were trials to see uh, how well the public would get into it. So right. not only do you want to find out, hey, are people looking at these? Are people clicking through to see what's on the other side of these? And how many people uh, stop coming? Because what they – you know, because if they say, you know, hey, I don't like these pop-up ads, I don't like these pop-under ads, I don't like these peel ads, they may stop coming to the site, as Jonathan was pointing out. Yeah. And if it, if the the site that is running advertising notices this as a trend, they'll say, hey, you know what, this is working to the point where it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. And people are seeing these and they don't like them and they're leaving. Right. The goal of the advertiser is to get that ad in front of your your eyes and to have you act in some way on that ad in in a positive way as far as the advertiser is concerned. You don't want to turn off your potential buyers. Right. So they're not trying to alienate the no, audiences. No, uh-uh. That's not the that's not the goal at all. In fact, that's completely antithetical to their goals. Yes. So that you know, there are times where you'll see certain ads kind of fade away from popularity because uh, advertisers have learned like this has such a negative impact on the user experience that that there, that any benefit of getting that name out into the the world is negated by how they are are uh, associating that ad with their experience. Mm-hmm. So some of these ads you just don't even see that frequently anymore. There are other kinds as well. There are wallpaper ads where they'll change the background of a website to uh, to be a certain back. Uh, a wallpaper, like I've seen that for for movies, gaming What's sites become, too. I've seen a lot. Gaming sites, also. I mean, I've I've even seen it for things like um like uh, snack foods, where you'll see like along the background it'll be mm-hmm. snacks instead of whatever the normal background would be. There there are ads that can be inserted into text, so they you'll see in the content that certain words are highlighted, and it may be that those words, like if you like, oh wow, that is kind of cool, and you click on it, and it goes to the uh, to a site that sells something that falls into the category of whatever the text was. Yeah. So it's kind of a type of contextual ad. And, uh, also there's the video ads, the, the, the ones that were made famous by Unicast, mm-hmm. where you would go to a site and there'd be a little video ad running, usually in one of the rails. So like off to the right or something. Mm-hmm. And it would have full video and full sound, which could be very, uh, uh, very uh, jarring if you are like me, 
often listening to music on your headphones over your computer and you visit a website and then you suddenly hear someone talking to you and you're like, is someone, what's, what's going on? And you start looking around, there's no one around me. And, uh, well, most of the ones I've seen recently that do that leave the sound off until yeah. you notice the video is playing, and then some people will turn the video um, the sound on, and some yep. people won't. Right. Um, something that I I just thought of that's sort of unusual. Um, the music station uh, Pandora will do. They'll do um, advertisement deals with uh, companies, and the, they'll build a special music station right. around the product that they're trying to do. Right. Um, yeah, uh, Spotify does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of an, a unique thing because they'll do the wallpaper type thing too, but they'll also do, uh, something that other sites can't, which will have, you know, a special tie into the, the type of site, um, that, that it works with. Which kind of brings me to, so we talked about the different formats that ads can take, and there mm-hmm. are other ones as well. There's more than what we just covered, but those are the basic ones. Yeah, the predominant ones. There are different approaches these ads can take, too, and you alluded to one of them, and one of them is being contextual or targeted. Yes. And when you're talking about a contextual or targeted ad, you're talking about designing the ad so that it will, uh, uh, like, using ads that will appeal to the same audience base as the ones that are there to consume whatever content is on that site. Yeah. So, for example, if I were to go to HowStuffWorks.com and I'm looking at how GPS systems work, or GPS works. Yes. I wouldn't say GPS systems because I would want to go to my ATM machine and use my PIN number. But if you went to, uh, if you went to that and then there was an ad about, uh, a, uh, a particular vendor that sells GPS units, yeah. then you'd be more likely, th- the thought process is you'd be more likely to click on that because you're already interested in the topic. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going to an article about how GPS units work and seeing an ad for, I don't know, um, uh, a gelatin dessert. Yeah. Those two things don't really connect to one another, although there's always room for it. There's no, there's no, <laughs> I wasn't using the brand name and then I go and use their slogan. But the, uh, the, yeah, that's the, the, that's an example. You know, you want it, uh, the contextual or, or targeted ads tend to have a higher degree of, uh, engagement, meaning that more people click on it than ones that have no connection to whatever the content is for the site that, uh, is in question. So one of the things that makes web advertising so appealing for advertisers is their ability to target, uh, uh, this to their customers, as you were saying. And they can't do that with other media because they would need to do a survey. They would actually have to find out, hey, hey how, how did you hear about us? Um, with the web, they use cookies, which are little pieces of text that are downloaded to your computer and uh, written to. And they'll go, okay, so, uh, you know, Steve visited HowStuffWorks.com and he also visited uh, CNN. And he also visited uh, his local paper's website. And so apparently he likes reading uh, stories about what's going on. He's intellectually curious. Um, so we're going to, you know, he's interested in, in animals because we know he visited the animals channel on HowStuffWorks.com and, and read a story about a rescue dog in his local paper. So we're going to send him an ad about dog food. Yeah. And maybe he has a dog or maybe he has a cat. We'll try a cat. Uh, cat food ad on the next page. And so if you've ever looked at a website and seen an ad targeted to you in your specific, like something that you typically buy or, or are interested, or are interested in, and it says, Hey, 
Um, if you're in the Dallas area and looking to buy something, something, you go, wait a minute, how in the world did they yeah. know I was in Dallas? Yeah. Well, they're using the, these cookies on your computer to uh, gather information about you. Um, some people see it as a major privacy privacy issue because it has information about you and they're looking at that. I, I would say that, yes, it's a privacy issue, but in general, they don't really want to know what kind of underwear you prefer and they, they don't where even, you live. They don't even care what your name is. They really they just, don't. They just think of you as potential customer. Yeah. And so this is to convert you from potential customer to actual customer. And yeah, that's a good a good progression because I was talking about the general ads, the contextual or targeted ads, and then personalized ads, which is what Chris is talking about right here. Yeah. yeah. Where it's personalized based upon your experience. And there's some companies that do this better than others. Um, there's some companies that are much better at gathering information about you. For yes. example, Facebook. Yes. Facebook doesn't even have to bother gathering information about you because you give Facebook the information about you every time you use it. This is what makes Facebook such a valuable company. Right. People not only opt in um, to their advertising by being there, they're also providing them all sorts of context for themselves. Right. You know, I like these bands. I like watching these movies and reading these books. I, I've noticed on my Facebook page when I go there, <clears throat> I notice that the ads often seem to mirror some of the stuff that's been posted on my in my news feed. Yeah. So I'm reading the reading stories or whatever and I look, glance over at the advertising and I'm like, "Hey, that's kind of clever that they actually, you know, the they've taken the context of what was posted and managed to pull an ad that related sometimes extremely tangentially <laughs> to whatever the content was. Yeah. It's also a little creepy. Yes. But anyway, that those are the three general approaches. The general General uh, advertising where it doesn't have anything necessarily to do with whatever the content is. The contextual one where it does have to relate to whatever the content of the site is. And then the personalized one, which relates more to the actual user than necessarily even the content. Mm -hmm. The early days of of web advertising um, sort of looked like it was going – the whole concept was going to be sort of a dud because at first it looked like – uh, it just didn't reach people in the way that advertisers were used to. They were used to the, the old style of media. They couldn't figure out exactly the best approach. They couldn't figure out the size or the, the placement on the page that they wanted to use. And it looked like it was going to be more of a branding than a direct response, yep. uh, target. And then, you know, once cookies, once they figured out how to use cookies to their advantage, they were able to do more targeted and more personalized advertising. And now it's become, uh, you know, a multi, multi billion dollar business. And the, the, you know, this is what has helped, uh, companies like Yahoo, Facebook, Google, and others to grow as, as much as they have is because they're able to target advertising so precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and use it in different places. Like Google makes Gmail free because it's able to advertise alongside. Um, and, and we've, you know, taken advantage of that. Uh, because so many places offer us free services that are supported by advertising. So it's it's sort of a trade-off that we make um, providing this information in exchange for free web services. So let's talk a little bit about how these ads actually generate money. Okay. And there are various strategies that, that advertisers use. Uh, one is called CPM, mm-hmm. which is a cost per mille mm-hmm. or thousand. Yes. It's not a million. 
for my fellow Americans who would possibly think such a thing. But it's cost per thousand impressions. And an impression is essentially You're looking at it. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a set of eyes that are on that that website. Um so for every one thousand times someone views that website, uh the adver- advertiser would would uh, give a certain amount of money to the the site itself, mm-hmm. and again, it's probably be on a, the order of a few cents. So let's say a nickel. Mm-hmm. So every time uh, it, that counter hits one thousand uh, for that site, the advertiser gives a nickel over to the site. Right. So you have to get lots and lots and lots of eyes on that site for it to actually be worthwhile for the website, mm-hmm. you know. So they get that's the idea is that it, it gives an incentive to the website to create really awesome content that's going to pull lots of people there. Yeah, and in web terms that's called sticky. Yeah. You want people to go there and stay there. Yeah. Yeah, if if people just go and then and then bail, well then once the advertiser starts looking at the the figures, they're going to say, "Well, this person was here so Briefly, that they probably didn't even see my ad. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in paying you a a higher amount of money per thousand eyeballs when uh, or pairs of eyeballs when uh, when people aren't even bothering looking at stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's more than just the fact that a thousand people got there. And sometimes this gets knocked down to um, a CPV, which is a click per visitor, mm-hmm. which again is different than an impression. Because an impression could be that you go to a website, you click to a different page on the website, you go back to the home page. Well, your two visits to that home page may each count as an impression. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the same person looking at it, you have seen that same page twice, so you've seen the same ad twice. A CPM may be, uh, may count both of those visits. A CPV is different. That's that's clicks per, or uh, sorry, not clicks, but cost per visitor. Mm-hmm. So the idea being that every unique visitor counts towards that ad. But if you were to keep refreshing the page or click around and keep coming back to that homepage, those additional visits would not count. Mm-hmm. It's only the unique visitor that counts, and usually that's on a per day basis. Yeah. So for every twenty four hours. So if you came back to that page the next day, sure, it would count then. But it doesn't count during your visit when you're at that page mm-hmm. um, or that website, I should say. Then you've got uh, CPC, which is cost per click. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little more challenging uh, in that you have to create really good ads that will get people excited to click on it, to actually click on an ad. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of us, that feels like the last thing in the world you want to do. You know, you just want to look at the content. You don't want to click on an ad. But clicking on the ads, you know, that helps pay for the site. And also there may very well be stuff that the ads are, are uh, advertising that you're interested interested in. Yep. So as uh, CPC um, means that every time someone actually clicks on the ad, the advertiser will give a certain amount of money to the website. Mm-hmm. And uh, that money, you know, it may be every – Several every thousand clicks in that case, but it tends to be a much higher rate than the impressions mm-hmm. because now you've gone from people just looking at an ad to people actually reacting to an ad. Yeah. Uh, and then the other big one is CPA, which is cost per acquisition or cost per action. And this is uh, an affiliate program. This is when a company offers up a, an affiliate program where um, the 
they have an agreement. For example, we we've done this in the past. Mm-hmm. Tech stuff has done this because we did an, we did Audible ads. Yes, Audible.com, and the way that that went, but who are as far as I know are not are not uh, sponsoring this particular episode. Yes, but the way those those agreements tend to work is that the uh, the the vendor works with the site or service. And so, for example, we'll, we'll stick with Audible.com. Mm-hmm. They come to us and say, we would like to make a partnership with you. If you, you need to run an ad in your podcast, when you run that ad, you tell people to go to Audible.com and use this particular um, uh, password or, or code when they go, and then they will get... Um, They'll, they'll be able to join for a discounted rate. Mm-hmm. And every user that does that, we will, we will pay you a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on the advertiser and the service. I mean, it's all, this is all negotiable stuff, mm-hmm. right? And frankly, I am not privy to that. I have no idea what it is because that's not my part of the business. Right. I create content. So, uh, every time someone actually goes and signs up for these services using the ad, the promotional code, that uh, the the website or podcast or whatever gives out, then money goes to that site from the advertiser right. or from the vendor. And uh, again, this is much more valuable because now you have people not just clicking on something, but actually enrolling in some sort of product or service. Uh-huh. And so that's considered much more valuable than a typical impression would be. Mm-hmm. Now, those are your major types. There are lots of other variations of this, but those were, I would say, are the dominant ones in online advertising. Okay. And, uh, and again, all three of these, none of these are, none of these are on their own good or bad. It's all on how they are used and whether or not they are, uh, part of the experience in a way that's not intrusive or if they, in fact, Get in your way and irritate you. Yeah, yeah, and then and that makes tracking all that much more valuable for the advertiser and for the sites um, because you know it, as tastes change as mm-hmm. to how the effectiveness of of web advertising is measured, um, you know they've they've gone from these di- through these different models and sometimes they shift toward one and conventional wisdom says that's the best way to do it. And they'll change their mind and shift back. So they track all of that information um, just so that they have an idea of who they're reaching and, and how. So, um, you know, that that's why they do a lot of that. So, Chris, you're, you're probably going to know the answer to this question. Yeah. But I'm going to ask it and see if you see in fact, see if in fact you do know the answer. OK. There is one company out there on mm-hmm. the Internet that is dominant as far as the web advertising business goes, as in this is the company that provides the outlet for web advertising. It's not itself necessarily an advertiser. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that company is? I would have assumed it was a company that rhymes with Schmoogle. In fact, you are correct. It is Google, which, according to at least some figures, has about oh, almost 70 percent of the online advertising market. That's very impressive. Yeah, you think about that. Think about all the different advertising companies that could be out there on the web. And yes. for one to have nearly 70% of the market share, and you're talking billions of dollars of revenues going through this this whole industry. That is amazing and, know, and scary. You know, that's, that's funny too because that's the one type of ad we 
didn't mention. AdSense? Text advertising. Well, I did mention it briefly because I felt about the the little bit in, you know, but yes. But yeah, they don't do the, you know, the, uh, uh, banner ads or, or sidebar ads or, or pop-ups or pop-unders. It's all done with text. Yeah. They'll have so. sponsored results, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just kind of funny that that much of the ad industry is dominated by something that doesn't actually use images. Yeah. And we, you know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's big business stuff. It's still, even today, despite the fact that the web's been around for more than two decades now, um, we're really, still trying to find the right balance between the value of advertising and um and and how it impacts the user because if the value of advertising keeps falling as a result of users being alienated by ads then web content creators have to find new ways to make money mm-hmm. and without finding new ways to make money we're not going to have nearly as much content on the web and so uh, it could turn out to be a bad thing for users in the long run. Now, that doesn't mean that users should just sit there and say, I love ads and click on everything. But it, if there are ads that are effective, then users probably shouldn't um, complain about them too much. Yeah. Because, again, the alternative is that we lose all that content in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's definitely something that you have to be willing to to make the trade off for. Yeah, it's and it is tricky. I mean, I as a consumer, I can tell you that a bad ad really ruins my mood when I'm on a on a website. Even if I love the website, if it's a really bad ad, then I my first reaction is I I think you know what I'll just come back some other time when a different advertising campaign is running on yeah. this site. Yeah, which it, that's terrible news. It's a terrible thing. It's a very human thing to do. Yeah, but for the the website owner and for the advertiser, that's bad news. Yeah, they hate hearing that. Yeah, they they want people who are engaged and happy and who are willing to actually act on that advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise it wouldn't exist. So anyway, that kind of wraps up our discussion on web advertising and, and the sticky situation that it's in. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. And we will uh, conclude this by saying if you guys have any suggestions for topics that we should cover in future episodes, you can let us know through email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?